You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Linton Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Good morning and welcome to the Closing the Distance conversation that we're having every week on Mondays from 12 to 12.30 with the preacher from the day before. And I'm Jeff Myers, one of the pastors at RPC at Roswell Presbyterian Church. We're joined here with Carrie Weatherford. Carrie, great to see you. Great message yesterday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I think, um, yeah, you just did such a fantastic job talking about a reality in our lives that is so prevalent of fear and anxiety and how when it becomes overwhelming, it can really um, you know, debilitate us and prevent us from action. And, um, and so it fit in with the less is more. If we have less of it, we can be more of who God has created and called us to be. So when you were sitting down, um, you know, beginning to, on the, uh, the sermon preparation process with the blank page, what, what kind of ideas were you thinking about when you were thinking about anxiety and fear? You know, um, it's so interesting. So when I sit down, I usually, even though I have the blank page, what I do to begin is really sit with the scripture. And so I had really been sitting, um, especially with that Isaiah passage, um, just knowing the fear that those people were feeling and then God responding to that fear and what God is calling us to do, um, you know, when we have those with that fear. And so I knew when I sat down on the blank page that I really wanted to focus in on, on the fear that we experience, like the Israelites might've been experiencing different, but fear nonetheless. Um, and then how does God respond to that? And then what, are, what is our call there? So I knew I kind of wanted to go down that road. Um, of course, it's always, hard to stare at a, a blank page. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know how exactly how I was going to get there. Um, but I usually also tend to think about, okay, well, then where might I have experienced these kind of things in my life? You know, and then you run through all the different fears you've got and you're like, well, which ones would I like to put on the page? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I thought I, it was just a brilliant sermon uh, in many respects. I think I really loved how you bookended um, the sermon with really two great stories, really memorable of bungee jumping, kind of impromptu bungee jumping in another uh, country, and uh, obviously your story with Cooper. Now, when you think about this, uh, the bungee jumping story, why are people attracted to being scared? When I think about, I think about bungee jumping, all of the like the the X Games kinds of sports. I think about all the horror movies that are advertised. I'm like, who are, who's going to these? This is uh, this is terrifying. Why would anybody pay money for this? Why do you think that is? Well, it's so funny because on right before this, I was talking to my mom on the phone, who immediately went home after the after she heard the sermon and was looking up bungee jumping and how safe it was and looking up the kind that I did. Um, you know, I don't think, and I don't know the scientific facts on this, but I don't think it's the, the, um, that people want to be 
afraid. I think it's the thrill. Hmm. I think it's that, um, you know, this exciting thing and you, you know, you get that adrenaline feeling and, um, and I, and that for me as a person who enjoys that, I can see, you know, oh, I get the being kind of the thrill seeker, but also if you are not a person that enjoys that kind of, I can see how that would be, you would never want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm the one that I like, I love the, the roller coasters. I took a youth group to Six Flags one time and it was um, my own personal nightmare because my group only wanted to ride the swings <laughs> all day long. <laughs> that does not give you an adrenaline rush. Uh, <laughs> Swinging doesn't do it for you, huh? <laughs> no, but I, I think it's, I think it's the thrill. Okay. I just, it's one of those things that fascinates me. Um, you know, and like when people talk about, uh, the, you know, the, they do surveys about the greatest fears people have, you know, I think it's of heights and of public speaking. And I feel like, you know, as somebody who public speaks a lot, that's been really one of the ways I've had to really take on fear and, um, and fear can be kind of helpful, but it also can be debilitating. And there's been times where my knees have been shaking so bad that it's prevented me from effectively communicating. How do you think, how do we practically get control of fear? Yeah, I think that that is a great question. I think number one, for me, it, it really is to, and it takes work, this practicing of, of calming our minds, of calming our bodies, right? It's different um, than when you're just kind of like on a roller coaster or something like that. But when you're talking about experiencing that that fear. And I, I have had the same thing there. Sometimes, you know, you do, you get nervous before sermons and before those kinds of things. Um, in fact, I, um, was tripping over my words. I was doing a wedding on Saturday and, um, before the service, I found myself just, and I don't know if you ever get like this. I mean, I'm just like, hyped up, you know, and I, but I'm feeling so anxious about it and kind of, uh, you know, having to just calm myself down because I was, you know, jumbling up my words and all that, not in the service, but before, and I had to go and walk outside and take a deep breath and kind of calm myself down and say a prayer. So I think, um, those are some of those things you quiet your mind, whatever, um, whatever is helpful for people to find ways to do that. And sometimes it is being outside or getting fresh air, but really, and, and being still too, I think. Um, well, I say that being still, sometimes walking or running or that kind of thing, any sort of activity can help with that fear. But I, I think praying is a huge thing for me because what I find that when I'm doing those things, when I am doing whatever it is, whatever activity that is going to help me kind of calm the fear down and then praying through that um, is really helpful. And just, and really talking about it with God, you know, saying, this is what I'm feeling Um, and, and really praying through it and continuing to pray through it and um, do the things that you know will be helpful for you to walk through. So whether it is, sitting still or being outside or going for a walk or a run or a bike ride or 
whatever it is that's helpful, that's calming, and then praying through it. But I think one of the um, things that is you you want to happen, but it doesn't happen, is you can't just, it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. You really have to, to work at it and pray through it. Um, but I, I find that prayer and really just being honest, you know, instead of focusing on the fear, focusing on praying and focusing on, you know, asking God for God's peace, that's yeah. taking that step in that the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, I, th- I was thinking of kind of like sometimes exposure therapy, you know, like the first time you do the bungee jump, you know, it's really scary. The second time it's really scary. The the third 300th time is probably not nearly as scary as it was. And mm-hmm. often, um, I think actually this is like one of the reasons a kid should play sports is that in the anxiety and the fear you feel before an athletic event, you learn how to, with low stakes, you learn how to get control of it and use that energy and, and focus it in a positive direction so that it, it inspires uh, you to perform better. Um, and you, it takes time to learn how to focus that. And so I think um, that's a really helpful, um, helpful distinction. I think you, you, you mentioned, I, I don't remember, I heard you preach the sermon twice yesterday, and I think you said it in one and not in the other, you used the, uh, the phrase that I love, toxic fear. And I think that's a really helpful distinction because I think of on one hand, there's toxic fear, but on the other hand, there's the fear of the Lord, which is a good kind of fear. And I think think that's a helpful distinction to kind of understand. How do you make the distinction between the two? Well, um, I think that's a great question as well. You know, and, and what's interesting and a little bit challenging about this question is sometimes a toxic fear isn't toxic at first. Mm. Sometimes you can have these fears and, and I think it's different too. I think there's healthy and toxic. And then I think there's the fear of the Lord, which is a healthy and a good thing, but it's, um, that's a reverence. Mm. Um, and that's how I just distinguish those that fear of the Lord is kind of, you're in awe and this reverent reverence. Um, it's a reverent way of looking at God. And then I think you talk about the fears that we experience um, that that draw out that true emotion of fear. Um, And I think that that is, you know, there's things that we fear that are um, not, let's see, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to say this. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you one example, but there's, there's other ways to look at it too. You know, I gave the example yesterday about how, my fear of putting Cooper in his bed after the neurologist said it was fine. You know, I had this fear of putting him in his bed. That's a perfectly normal and really actually at the beginning, a healthy fear. We didn't know what we didn't know enough yet. And we, um, and even once we knew what kind of epilepsy he had, we were, um, as you, as many people know, you know, you really have to work on getting the medication correct. And so we had, we were doing a lot of that. And so we had to watch him. And, um, I mean, I watched him experience three seizures during that time, uh, where he was in our bed and it was because he was in our bed. Um, because there isn't, it's, it's hard unless you're right next to someone, if they're seizing in their sleep, Mm. there's not, um, well, they're actually working on technology for that, but anyway, there wasn't any other way, uh, to, to know. 
so that was, was good. This fear of, you know, okay. And so we need to do something about it when it became unhealthy and really even toxic in our family is when it was fine to put him back. Cause it, there's, it definitely takes a toll, right? You're not sleeping well. You're not here right. doing all these things. Um, starts to take a toll and I was letting the fear control me and I wasn't in control of the fear and I think that that's too one of the ways that fears can become toxic when you're letting that control your actions and that is what I was letting control my actions as a parent even though I had wise counsel from the doctor and my pharmacist and my husband Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I just, I couldn't get there. And that's when I realized, okay, I need, I need to do something. I can't, this is not healthy. Um, now I do think there are some fears that can be toxic, um, from the get go, but they can stem from different things, you know, um, it it just, it depends on what it is. There's so many, Mm -hmm. but that's an example I can at least share with my own, own life of how something became a toxic fear. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I, as a fairly new parent myself, um, you know, and an older parent, you know, I think, you know, most people anyway, and I, I think about all of the, the fears that I never knew were possible to have once you have children or people that you love in your life that you're responsible for taking care of. And Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to worry about. There's so much to be scared about. And it's almost overwhelming. It is. And I'll say this too, is it's a another answer to that same question about how do you know if something's toxic, a toxic fear or not? You think about what, where it's coming from. And is this something that um, you, you even think about in scripture? Like if, if I am afraid of missing out, right? If I am, you know, that's, that's something we talk about with fear, FOMO, fear of missing out. And so maybe, you know, I see that all my friends have hung out without me and I'm, oh no, you know, I have this, or I can't go. So I'm fearing missing out. And I'm thinking, well, then am I making that an idol? Like, mm-hmm. am I putting that above God? Is that where that fear is coming from? And that also, I think, would be one of those fears that's not healthy if we're putting those things before, before God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, mm-hmm. and I think, how do you, you know, since, since you brought up your kids, I think, mm-hmm. and since you are responsible for our children's discipleship at RPC, how... <laughs> How do parents talk to their kids about appropriately having the right kind of fears, but not being overcome by fear in the context of working with a child? Well, and I wish there was one easy answer for that, because again, as you just said, you it's overwhelming <laughs> when you think about all these possibilities, right? And so our families are all dealing with very, you know, all sorts of different things. And our children are dealing with all sorts of different things. So number one, you really have to look at whatever the situation is. But what I, what is so important, and I tell parents this all the time, is that continual conversation with your children. It's talking through the situations. Mm -hmm. And there are times where, you know, you 
need to have your child, you know, we need to be careful because this, you've got to be careful crossing the road. You've got to hold mommy's hand in the parking lot. You've got be cut. And, and I usually explain through, this is why giving them the why. So they know why we're being careful. Well, cars aren't bad. Those are great things, but it can, it's not safe in a parking lot when cars are coming for us to just walk out there and not pay attention. We have to be careful because we want to make sure that we cross the parking lot safely um, mm-hmm. and just giving the whys. Um, and then also when children have fears that maybe are not um, healthy or they're, you know, afraid of something, you know, really talking through um, what that is. So for example, my my children, in fact, we went to the pediatrician this morning and all Taylor wanted to know on the way there is, but I'm, I'm not getting a shot, mommy, right? No shot <laughs> and no pointy things. And I said, no, no shots. He, he has a fear of shots because his last round were really painful. And so I try to talk to him. No, they're, no, they're not. You're not getting a shot. You'll have to have a shot again, but remember, I know it's scary, but we're doing this because we know that that's what's, that's healthy for you, um, or that's what you needed. And so really talking with them through it and having those conversations. And it's true of, uh, you know, talking about fears, but, um, but that's about anything. I mean, I am just such a huge advocate of parents and children having conversations and continuing, you know, encouraging your children to uh, ask questions and converse with you and um, have that open conversation so that they will be able to share, well, I am scared of this. Well, why? And that's the other thing that I will say is even if your child has, um, you know, maybe a fear that as a parent, you're like, that's ridiculous. You know, like, (laughs) There's nothing to be afraid of in, yeah. in this situation. You know, if they're afraid that there's a monster under the bed or afraid of the dark or afraid, you know, um, it's to, you know, that is a fear that they have. Whether it's irrational or healthy fear or not, they're still having it. Just like we know we still have it, even when we know it maybe isn't rational. Um, they're still feeling that. And so to acknowledge it, and then it's the parent's job as a guide to walk with them and really talk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say, you know, don't, you know, immediately be like, well, that's just ridiculous. Right. You've got to walk, walk with them. You know, I currently, and I have a fear of, I do not like driving over bridges. I, and I'm an adrenaline junkie. I don't like it. It's, and I know, I know that I'm going to, the chances are I'm going to be just fine. I still, my heart starts pounding. It's still a fear. Uh-huh. So I have to quiet it and I have to work at that, but it's still something that is a fear. And so I think with, with children is, you know, we, we still have to acknowledge that it is a real thing and then help them navigate through it, whether it's a, a healthy thing or not, you know, so. So you brought up one of your illustrations came from the movie Inside Out, which I admittedly have not watched. And you talked about Riley and I thought it was really interesting. And there's a whole library of children's, you know, kind of movies that I'm going to be making my way through in the coming, you know, years. But I was wondering, like, what do you 
think like children's movies, like how can they effectively help us um, deal with a lot of these topics and questions? Um, Cause when I was growing up, there was a lot of fear about what your kid could, should or should not watch. And yeah. culturally just a lot of disagreement about that. Where are you at in terms of, you know, raising our kids and exposure to popular culture and uh, children's movies like that? Well, there is still a lot of, uh, I think, I think people are all over the map on this. I know that certainly having, you know, an almost 10 year old, our rules in our house are really different than some rules in, in our friends' houses. Um, and, and that can be a challenge too. Um, but I think, um, it's, you know, there's really several questions you asked wrapped up in that. First, I think you can use children's movies. Like if you're watching a movie with your family, we use that as topics of conversation, you know, to bring out different themes. What do you think about this? It gives you a place where you're starting, um, uh, having watched the same thing. So you have, um, an avenue to use for conversation. Um, it gives you common ground to start mm -hmm. from. We've just watched this. Well, what did you think about um, when, when sadness got in the driver's seat? Mm. And, you know, oh, and you know what? Sometimes it's okay that sadness is in the driver's seat because sometimes things are sad. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, in, actually in the movie, um, Joy thinks that she's the most important emotion and and everything's good when joy's in the in the driver's seat but one of the things that that they realize is they all have a purpose and she was she tried to yank sadness out of the driver's seat but you know what riley was sad mm -hmm. and that so she was sad she missed she they moved away she missed her friends um so it, it you can use it as a springboard for conversation so super helpful now deciding what kind of movies you're going to watch with your um, family. That is, you know, parents' personal choices. My biggest suggestion is to watch it first mm -hmm. or at least talk to somebody that you trust that has watched it first. Um, there was a movie recently that I was going to watch with my kids and then um, read some reviews and then watched it myself and thought, oh, you know what? This actually isn't something that we're ready for because it brought up some topics that I didn't think were appropriate, at least for my kids yeah. um, at the time. So um, you, and there's lots of good websites out there too, where you can go and you can type in um, movies, video games, apps, and they will tell you the rate, like it'll give you reviews of parent, you know, these are parent reviews. This is what we've rated it at. This is, you know, and it kind of tells you all the different things. So anytime my child wants to play something on his, oh, am I back? Um, Nintendo Switch, I immediately will go to um, those websites and kind of plug it in and see what what's out there. But with movies, I I just encourage people to watch it first or find reviews that you trust. Mm -hmm before you sit down. Cause I have made that mistake too, where I've sat down with something and then I'm like, stop, pause, pause. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. Yeah. Well, as we kind of like wrap up here, I, I was wondering, how did you feel? I was, you know, I heard you at eight 15 and then I heard you at 10 45 and then I actually heard the end of your sermon at 11. Um, I was in the back mm. 
And I just was wondering, like, how did it feel to tell such a personal, vulnerable story about your family four times? Um, and emotionally, because uh, I, I honestly, when you told the first time at 815, I was like, she's got to do this three more times. She's going to be emotionally <laughs> worn out by the end of traumatized. of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting about it is I think it shows you how real that emotion, that, that, that fear is in it. And it um, is something that we've really had to work through. What I'll tell you is the good news is I feel like we have done a lot of the work. Jason and I have done a lot of the work working through our, as we navigate the situation with our son. So we are continually doing that work. So I am okay. Like I, I am okay. I will tell you though, telling the story, you think you're fine. I mean, I've, you know, told this to people several times, you know, just to, like friends or whatever that have asked, but um, it's amazing when you start telling that story and you just, you immediately go back there. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of services I didn't get as choked up in. It's like, you think you're okay till you realize, oh, no, I feel it again. Um, but it, it's just, um, you know, and I think any parent can, can relate when you're talking about your children and especially something that your child's gone through, um, you know, you just feel that in a, a whole different kind of way, but it, um, yeah, it, I don't even know really how to describe it. it. It's an emotional thing, but also at the end of the day, I don't think I, I was feeling okay. Cause we have to, I mean, we've been doing this for four and a half years. Um, I think it would be a lot, it would have been a whole lot different. I don't even know that I would have been ready to talk about it, you know, in like right after it happened. So we've had a lot of time to process and work through it and, you know, yeah, do, do the work. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for just your gifts and your vulnerability and sharing yesterday and really talking um, with us through the sermon and, uh, I know it can often feel like, you know, you've just had a baby and now we're going to analyze it and talk about it. But uh, I thank you for helping us illuminate it and uh, shine some light on some, some more areas of our lives. So let me tell you, I'm so glad I didn't just have a baby. <laughs> this is much easier. This is much that's, easier. That's you, true. Your Courtney just did. You're still there. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Well, I want everyone to know, uh, thank you so much for tuning in on Facebook Live. For who can watch this later, we thank you for all the folks who are downloaded on the podcast. We want to reach as many people and bless as many people as possible. Carrie, thank you for your sermon yesterday and for talking about it today. I'll be up next week. I'll talk with Dan on Closing the Distance next Monday from 12 to 1230. And we'll be talking about the theme of anger so uh, anger has been a lot in the news, a lot of anger out there. Um, so it's, it, there's some similarities to fear and anxiety. So I look forward to exploring that. And uh, that'll be next uh, uh, Monday. And always the Sunday will be 8, 15, 9, 30, 10:45, and 11 at Roswell Presbyterian Church and roswellpress.org. Carrie, thank you so much and have a great week. Yes. Great to you see too. you. Bye. Bye-bye.